everyone, and welcome to this special bonus edition of National Treasure Hunt, the podcast where the secret lies not only with Charlotte, but also with your co-hosts, as well as today's special guest. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And before we introduce you to our guest today, we thought it'd be fun to quickly tell you the story about how this episode came to be, because we are pretty darn excited about it. In case you can't tell already. (laughs) For sure. So if you've listened to any episode of our show up till this point, you know that the reason we are creating National Treasure Hunt is pretty much because we are massive fans of National Treasure. So one day, a few weeks ago, we checked our respective personal social media pages and Emily and I both found direct messages in our inboxes, if you will, that you know, read something like this. Hi, thank you so much for this super fan podcast. I'm the creator of National Treasure, and let me know if you'd ever like to chat. Oh my gosh. Yeah, to put it lightly. And that is exactly what we did. So our guest on the show today is none other than the creator of National Treasure, Mr. Charles Seegers, who's both a story writer and executive producer of our beloved film franchise. He's also the CEO of Ovation TV and has had a really exciting and interesting background spanning really the entertainment industry and beyond, but we'll let him tell you more about that during the interview. So speaking of the interview, trust us when we say that we could literally never run out of questions to ask Mr. Seegers. Yeah, we got really excited about it. So you might (laughs) notice that, yeah, it is a little bit longer than our other episodes, but I hope that you enjoyed enough that it's worth that extra time you're going to be putting in. To be honest, I am sure that it will be. And we did try to streamline the interview with a mix of questions that we were personally curious about and that we thought you might be curious about. So you're going to learn all kinds of things that you're only going to find here on National Treasure Hunt. Things like, what are some clues that just didn't make the cut for the film? There was an alternative opening to National Treasure that didn't include Mm -hmm. the Charlotte. Mr. Seegers also envisioned someone else, not Nick Cage, originally playing Ben Gates. So who was that actor that he had in mind? And if you can't imagine anyone else besides Nick Cage playing Ben Gates, just wait until you hear who this person was. And who his father was going to be playing Patrick Gates. (laughs) And we even asked about the infamous bowl of lemons in Patrick Gates' fridge. So we finally have an answer for all of you. So there's going to be a lot of cool stuff that you're going to learn on today's show. And of course, we asked about the status of National Treasure 3. And we have an update for you, mm-hmm. but you're going to have to listen all the way through the episode to the end to find out what Mr. Seegers had to say. And again, we think this is, it's not going to be hard for you to do that. This is going to be a really exciting conversation. So we really hope you enjoy this special episode of our show today. And we do want to extend a huge thank you to Mr. Seegers for joining us. Yes, thank you so much, Mr. Seegers. So guys, what you can do to help us out and to help yourselves out, because quite honestly, you know, the content that we're providing you with is pretty great, if I do say so myself as one of the (laughs) co-hosts of this show. 
you can go ahead and give us a follow on Twitter or Instagram. We are at NT Hunt Podcast. And go ahead and you can find us on any podcasting platform. That can be Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Please subscribe wherever you can, rate and review us. And, you know, tell us your thoughts about, especially about this episode and what you guys think about how the interview went and the kind of answers that we got for you guys. Who knows? Maybe if we get continued engagement from our awesome National Treasure Hunt audience, we can continue to get interviews like this in the future. Yeah, that would be super cool. And so... Without further ado, please enjoy this bonus episode of the National Treasure Hunt podcast featuring National Treasure creator, Charles Seegers. We do want to thank you so much for joining us today, and we do want to get into all of the great details about National Treasure. But to get us started, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself, because based on a quick Google search, it seems like you've had a very eclectic background. Very much so. I, I cannot hold a job. When I read my Wikipedia, apparently <laughs> I've been fired by more people than ever. Um, but the... Uh, you know, I started out kind of like you guys, you know, just in other aspects in life. And when I went to college, I was just always such a movie fan. And, you know, most of our friends bonded around the movies that, you know, I'm an old guy. So back in 1981, you know, the, we would all go and sneak to the lo local theater or the theater on campus and watch movies. And I had two roommates who... Um, convinced me to get out of my business major into film and television. And um, one is a priest now, which is which he didn't even go into film and television. And the other one is uh, a successful writer. And, um, you know, always loved movies. And and really, you know, since moving to L.A., I just sort of pursued that. So I've had a long you know, good and storied career in entertainment companies, Every, you know, from CBS to DreamWorks to Walt Disney. And, you know, it wasn't to get into National Treasure. I think it was 1990. God, you probably know the date better than I, but I think I sold it in 98. But it really it really formulated for me was I wanted another Raiders of the Lost Ark. And they were talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark three, I think, or four. And they and I was working at DreamWorks at the time and George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, just for some reason, you know, two incredibly successful people were making so many movies. They just never got around to it. And I really wanted to do a treasure movie. So um, I was back at the National Archive researching a Lewis and Clark miniseries when I started to hear the lore about the actual Declaration of Independence, which was fading. If you go see it today, it was fading. And I got a chance to talk to the National Archivist at the time, who told me at some point they had to open up the, the, the case to make sure that it didn't disintegrate or fade and fade anymore to preserve it. And I started asking him questions about, like, what if somebody took it? Like, how do you protect it? Is it the FBI? Is it the Secret Service? Is it Capitol Police? And so that started the process in my head, which was why would somebody steal the Declaration of Independence? And I landed on the idea that somebody does. And at the time, I think it was Will Smith. I had Will Smith in my head 
that Will Smith was going to steal the Declaration of Independence. And and I brought it to one of my closest friends, a guy named Oren Aviv, who um, at the time was head of marketing at Disney. Um, and he's just fantastic, right? And as Oren can only say to me, he goes, yeah, you only have half of a good idea here. Let me tell you the other half. <laughs> and and we worked hard on formulating the movie, and then we brought it to John Turtletaub, who you know, currently is great. And, but at the time was also making a lot of movies and John has just such a great wit, sense of humor and, and just laser focused on not rushing a story. And he helped us so much. And the next thing, you know, you know, three, four years later, you know, they're green lighting movies and national treasure is one of them. And, you know, the rest is sort of real history. That is so fascinating. Uh, what a what a whirlwind, honestly. It was. Uh, was for for sure. And so we know that you were, I guess, nominally a story writer and executive producer mm-hmm. for the film. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners who aren't necessarily familiar with Hollywood jargon or you know sure. film behind the scenes, can you tell us what these titles mean for sure. your involvement, like in a practical sense? Sure. So in a practical sense, um, Orrin and I, you know, wrote the story. Right. We we worked on researching it, writing it, coming up with the the story structure. We then what we called packaging is we brought a director on John Turtletaub. Um, and then the studio between John Oren and I um, hired a writer named Jim Kauf. Um, Jim is fantastic. You guys should look him up. He's just an uh, amazing writer, um, you know, has like now like 10,000 acres in Montana and like, you know, raises organic plants and stuff. He's amazing. Um, but but Jim and I um, and Oren literally flew to Washington, D.C. and Oren and I walked him through many of the clues and said, here's a clue, here's a clue, here's a clue. Jim wrote a great uh, 129 page, so I think it was 136 page screenplay, the first draft. Um, We cut a little bit out of it, turned it into the studio, and then the rest kind of accelerated in a weird way really quickly. Um, Jerry Bruckheimer really didn't come on to the project until um, it officially got green lit um, as a producer, and Jerry, you know, produces some of the biggest movies there. And and you know, he was a welcome addition. Um, then then what happened was we rewrote the script. Will Smith went to do Bad Boys Two, and so it kind of stalled for a year and a half or two years. Um, you know, I always kid Jerry's group that Will didn't, by accident, you know, leave. I think they wanted to get that movie made first, but that's, you know, I'm not going to get into it. But the, um, the, and then when Nick Cage came on board, you know, you know, there was a series of writers, you know, that rewrote, rewrote, rewrote the draft to Nick's voice, who I, I have to say, like, Nick is so fantastic in this movie. Like, it just... There's something so charming about him in this that we could never have captured, right? Like, I mean, Will would have been great too, and in and completely different in his way. Um, but but the combo of like, you know, Nick and John, and by the way, John and Nick went to high school together. So I think there was a I think it was really an interesting moment there that those guys could, you know, hey, I know about you and you know about me. And let's, totally. let's just have some fun here. And 
and John, again, I, I can't, I can't impress upon you more that, that, you know, in, in these kind of movies, there's a real push to make them PG 13, right? They, they always want to push, you know, and, and Jerry was great at balancing, trying to push the action, but not pushing it too quickly. Right. And this movie to me in the most positive sense is an old fashioned movie to me that, we actually let it breathe. You know, we let every scene play out as if you and I were there in the backseat of that car trying to get to the next clue. And mm -hmm. we, we didn't try to hyper reality it. You know, there's not too many, you know, attack helicopters and gunshots and crazy things that happen. Um, so it, 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 to answer your question, it, as a executive producer and a creator of it and you get the story by credit you know you're you're in it every step of the way trying to make sure that it works and that it's franchisable and sort of do the gut check as a movie fan you know there's there's not a lot of magic to it you know if, if you love movies you know you you have every opinion matters right i mean you 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 two could tell me scenes from movies i am sure that you've seen stolen from every other movie right you just know right. structure and you understand good storytelling and there's an audience expectation that needed to be filled and you know one of the most important things for me was you know when and i was at the national archive talking about this last year was when i was talking to the um national archivist i was sort of saddened that there weren't people in line looking at the Declaration of Independence. And today I am so proud. I now have a child on the, in, in, in uh, National Treasure 2. My wife was actually pregnant with my now 12 year old um, who will probably bound through this room somehow behind me. <laughs> but I always had wanted to write a movie that got people excited about the mundane parts of history that shouldn't be so mundane. And if there's one thing I feel I did right on this was that even today, when I talk to everybody from, you know, the National Archivist to the head of the National Park Service to literally I ran President Obama's advance team, they all talk about the movie that people come in now and they line up. They everybody that every kid that walks in, I swear to you, walks into the Oval Office when certainly when I was there, um, the the the. They would ask President Obama, you know, is there a real panel in the desk? Is there a real thing? Right. You know, you you Absolutely. now the line at the National Archive is long enough now where the National Park Service has had to train their personnel to answer the question that there is no treasure map on the back mm -hmm. of the Declaration of Independence. Right. But here's what there really is. And so I, I think we've succeeded. And, you know. Book of Secrets was the same way, um, you know, and hopefully a third. We can talk about that later, but keep asking. Yeah, absolutely. If, if you don't mind me following up really quick, I sure. think you're absolutely right. And, you know, you've done an amazing job of getting people interested in history. But I'm wondering if you had any particular interest in history, you know, growing up or in your past jobs that made this so attractive to you? Yeah, no, I did. I, um, I, I had you know, two just fundamental moments in my life, you know, were one, I had an eighth grade teacher that was so inspiring, who literally now I look back on it, you talk about just weird coincidences. His name was Hamilton. Um, 
he was from where Alexander Hamilton was. He was my eighth grade teacher, Mr. Hamilton. And he did a constitutional convention that changed my life about American history. Like we literally got assigned. I don't even know if they still do this, you know, because the Wright brothers were flying when I was in school. But the, <laughs> the they they have a constitutional convention where the, the two eighth grade classes each was assigned somebody at the constitutional convention. Um, and you had to be that person. Um, cool. And. And, and sometimes the Constitution didn't come out the same, you know, based on, you know, the arguments. But that really turned me on to that. The other thing was field trips to Washington, D.C. You know, I I was lucky enough to be able to attend a lot of field trips. And, you know, we lived New Jersey and I, I and San Francisco, basically. Yes, New Jersey, Oakland, New Jersey, all out to Oakland. Oh my gosh, uh, that's amazing. Cats. I don't know if it's Wildcats, so please, I don't want any email. But, just, <laughs> but the, um, the uh, you know, going to Washington, D.C. was quite inspiring, you know, to stand on those steps, you know, and I, and I was a big, you know, my wife hates it. Like, she loves history, but can't stand the way I do it. Like, you know, I'll like walk down the sidewalk and stop here and I go right here, not, not over there, but right here. And I'll make something up, you know, it'll just, and my kid looks at me and just doesn't believe me, but I go, no, really, it was right here that Dolly Madison, you know, had a hamburger. Uh, <laughs> we have a great, oh, that's okay. We, we, that's my son laughing. Um, Hello. Hello. He, uh, so, so I, I would say those were the moments, you know, those field trips when you can make history come alive. I think that's the, that's the moment. You know, so that's what I love about these movies, you know, and and by the way, we're not the only ones. There's, there's I, I think everybody that that John and Jerry put through this sort of factory were just indoctrinated by the the places we shot. I mean, you know, I again, not to talk about Book of Secrets, but, you know, to stand in the Library of Congress, you know, with a hot air balloon that's white that lights the entire Library of Congress at 2 a.m. is you can't help but to take a breath and go, I can't believe we are standing here doing what we are doing, you know. Um, and in the first one, you know, being able to just stand outside Independence Hall and to be able to, I'm like thinking of all these great places in Philadelphia and, and the people, the historians that came on board to say, this, that, and this, that, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and we had a lot of clues that didn't make the movie, but ended up in the second, right? And there's even more clues that will end up hopefully in the third, right? So those, yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so those, those are the, you know, there's such a, there's such a just huge amount of history that, that we talk about that we don't know just that extra odd moment that makes it fun and and really engaging sorry about that i mean everyone's just went oh my god tell them to shut up but no, that, no. the fun of it you know of these movies no that was that was fascinating i loved i have to say i loved hearing you say how you you like to you know stand in one place and be like so and so was here it sounds like a very uh ben gates thing to do <laughs> Uh, it does. It, it, it sounds, sounds very right. much like the character. But he has his hair and better eyes. But other than that, <laughs> yeah. Yes, I understand. So I've, you've talked a lot about the, the clues. And so we know that you came up with 
many, if not all of the not clues. All, but many. Not all of them, not but many all. of them. Do you have any like favorite clues that you came up with that you can talk about that obviously have been used? Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's more in hindsight now that I've seen the movie a lot and I hear people and fans talk about the movies. You know, the the one is the the dollar bill. I, I love the idea that in our pocket there's this clock, right? And you zoom in on the clock and it's the twenty dollar bill and that whole scene about the daylight savings and they gotta get there with the shadow on Independence Hall. The, the crazy thing about this, no one will believe this, but I have the photographic evidence, is long before this movie was a thought, okay, in my head, I got engaged in 1992 to my wife on the lawn of Independence Hall. I asked her to marry me, and my friend took a picture of us, and the clock is at 220. No. Is that not crazy? Right? That's incredible. I'm telling you something. And you sit there, and I I don't think I've told this story to anybody. Because if I do, they go, oh, don't start fiction writer. (laughs) But that is the truth, right? So it's those kind of things that have happened around this movie with so many people involved in this movie. But, But I love that clue because... It's in your back. It's the clue right in front of your eyes. It's in your back pocket. I love, I love that, you know, all of us forced each other to try to do clues that could be solved while other people are just sitting at Starbucks right there. You're kind of looking under their counter going, do you know Wall Street's like right below you from you know, <laughs> 1706? And we're, there's a treasure like that is the fun of this movie, that the clues are right in front of your eyes, you know, and you're and you're the the one trying to solve the puzzle while everybody else is going about their day. Yeah. It's like that is. So those are the clues I love, you know, and, and particularly that that two twenty clock. I, I just to this day, I just smile and that's go. It's yeah, yeah, that's an amazing story. Yeah, I, I got to ask. So. You know, you mentioned the 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 hundred dollar bill. We we noticed upon watching many times one of our little you know nuances that the U.S. currency makes recurring appearances throughout. Um, you know, at the beginning when they're setting the stage as a clue itself, when Ian is giving the essentially the next clue to the little boy in Philadelphia, not even realizing he's right. doing that. And right. then in the second film, even when Ben's dad drops the do- the bill to see where the current's flowing, was that something that was intentional? It it, it was almost intentional, right? It's I, I will tell you this, Oren Aviv, um, my partner on this, gets full credit because he, he is just a great creative mind for story narrative, but he he did an amazing job in the marketing of this. There, there were a lot of naysayers about this movie that a movie of like, it's kind of slightly old fashioned. It's not really Raiders, you know, there's no, nothing's blowing up. Um, like, and will it play internationally? It's, it's about our freedom documents. Who cares? I mean, is France going to go? I, I guess Britain's going to go. We're not going. They're going to protest it. You know? <laughs> um, Oren came up with the whole sort of currency idea that the clue is in front of your eyes. And if the original trailer, I, I may be wrong, 
it may have been the second version of the trailer. I can't remember, but Oren was the one who's, who's, who literally had the $1 bill in the trailer. Like he had the all seeing eye of the pyramid. And when you watch that trailer, I will tell you as an adult and even just kids, right? They, they all know, they all saw it. They're all going, Oh my God, that's on a $1 bill. Like everybody was going, Oh my God, it's right in front of our eyes. And I think it just became a habit through our movies that currency played sort of just into it. It, it was just a natural thing that this was right in front of us and handled all the time. Yet uh, the world's greatest treasure is there's one of the clues right, right there. Um, yeah. That's all Lauren Aviv. I, I try to take this much credit for it. Um, but he keeps me pretty honest. Like he'll literally say, yeah, no, you didn't care about that part. Oh, that's so I, funny. Yeah. Well, speaking of something that you did care about, you mentioned how, you know, into history you you are. What exactly was your process for kind of incorporating the historical portions of the clues right. into them? Right. I think I think for me it was I wanted to make sure that the clues in the movie were and this is, you know, as selfish as it gets, right? It's self-serving for me. I wanted it to be places that I wanted to go see, mm -hmm. right? Fair. Places that always just as a kid made me like, uh, wow, what's behind that door, right? And, you know, that's that really is like Trinity Church. When I went to New York City and stood in that graveyard, like I had never been to Boston, I think, you know, until I was out of college, but clearly didn't go to Harvard. But in New York City, to stand in Trinity Church and start reading the names, you know, I, I had a friend, you know, we we took them. We were in New York City. We all saw Hamilton together and I dragged their butts in a cab right to Trinity Church and said, there are the Schuyler sisters right there. There is yeah. Alexander Hamilton right there. And it just brings it home really quickly. So most of those clues were pretty self-serving. Even in Book of Secrets, you know, Ford's Theater, you know, I'm on the board of Ford's Theater. Shocking right? Um, you know, uh, Mount Rushmore had never been. And right. when, oh my God, I'm going to Mount Rushmore. I And John Turtletab, you know, I just desperately convinced him to use Mount Rushmore. I kept saying, think Hitchcock, think Hitchcock. It's, you're going to be, please. And, and we went there. So it was, it's, it's kind of that in my head. You know, I wish there was more science to it, but, but that really was just the stuff that got me excited, you know? And were you the one doing the research uh, regarding how to actually incorporate the history? Because we dedicated an entire episode to picking out historical points and trying to see if we could figure out ourselves if they were really inspired by something that happened. And, you know, we found that the Charlotte really was a ship that disappeared, you know, in the Arctic Circle or that, like you mentioned, the hundred dollar bill clue, right. you know, that etching was was done there is an etching that's been done of independence hall by a friend of ben franklin right. so right. you know were you the one doing that research we all there, there we had a actual history researcher clearly right um but all of us sort of the, the greatest thing about google right the greatest thing about the internet is we all can be historical geniuses relative to you know writing narrative and stories so we all just tried to play the movie in our head of what would be the most entertaining sort of clue and place. And we just had a giant, the proverbial, you know, Google Doc and said, what if it was this? What if it was this? What if it was this? 
And, you know, it, it is time and money. Also, there's a commerce side of this, right, where, you know, you, you can't do a movie that costs $500 million. So we had to limit some of our, you know, wants and needs to really big, giant clues, you know. And, you know, it's funny, like the Charlotte, the Charlotte wasn't me, but the original opening I had pitched for National Treasure was you see a scuba diver underwater coming up to a colonial ship like the Charlotte, and he clearly discovers this clue, but when he comes up to the surface, he's right off of the island of Manhattan. And there's this sort of dichotomy of this great historical treasure find, and when he comes up for air, he's right off of, you know, Chelsea Pier, mm -hmm. right? And, 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 and that kind of is how the Charlotte got inspired, right? Was now it's, you know, great snow cat up in the Arctic and the Charlotte's buried in snow, which is awesome too, right? Right. Because that's kind of how movies work when it's, when everyone is working together and, and sort of trying to row to the same this this same finish line you know you you literally it just only gets better the more you talk about it with other people that makes a lot of sense about the movie process for sure okay so you mentioned that you you were on site during filming correct which is incredible and i am extremely jealous um <laughs> and i'm wondering what you can tell us about you know being on site uh, you know were you interacting with the actors at all were you working with the director and like you said Bruckheimer um you know as everything is happening what, what does that look like I think you know you know a lot of people love to say oh yes I was on the set every day telling the director what to do and telling Nick that he needs to change that word a little bit go a little higher with your voice or go a little lower. <laughs> I did none of that right um you know ma making movies by the time you're actually making them, like actually on the set, at that point, I mean, there there is there is certainly room for change and evolution as you hear the line come out of the actor, um, as a particular location might present something, you know, you can take advantage of. But the real prep is is before you're shooting. So, you know, it what it really is is working with you know, the script writer, the director, and and really trying to put together what now you're just trying to execute on by the time you go out into the field. The, the you know, I, I know it's sexy to talk about the set stuff, you know, but the excitement for me was knowing we were making this movie with the number one family brand in the world, with a great family director, with a star attached and then being able to go to Independence Hall and meet with them and the historians and talk about the clues and what, where we could shoot, where we couldn't, you know, all of it was pretty much shot at Knott's Berry Farm where they have a replica of Independence Hall because we're not going to go around kicking through, you know, the real Independence Hall with desks and, oh yeah, put the light on top of John Adams' desk. It'll be fine. Right. You know, that just doesn't happen. Um, so we, we had to do a lot of replicating of these sets. But to be able to go to those places, knowing that you're about to make them 
you know, even more famous and engaged again was really exciting. And what was really the most fun, Orn and I and John talk about this a lot, is a lot of skeptics, first movie, mm-hmm. you know, second movie, I will humbly say, you know, I call the National Park and they're like, please do a clue in this national <laughs> come and do this building. Right. And so now there, there is just open arms, you know, to get any shooting done anywhere, you know, so that, that is the, that's been the real fun uh, of this, but, but on the set, you know, I, I spent a, a lot of time on the set. I had done, I had overseen a lot of television at DreamWorks. So the process of making a movie or television is very much the same. Um, though movies, I actually think are slightly easier, but I will get beat up by everybody by saying that. But um, the the uh, the you know the the greatest sort of memories for me on that were being able to effectually change with the writer who was having to just right there on the set try to solve a problem. You know, something isn't tracking. You don't you don't shoot everything in order, so you can imagine. When you have a clue-based movie that is point A all the way to point Z, and you're not shooting in order, you better you better double check that it's going to track, right? And are you literally going to open the door? There's no treasure and go. Where the hell did it go? Like, <laughs> how? Um, so that that is kind of the fun of 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 that process. And I have to tell you, Brookheimer, a guy named Chad um, Omen, um, Mike Stenson. Um, you know, obviously Jerry, I think I mentioned Jerry, um, Orin Aviv and John Turtletab, like they crushed it. I was along for the ride about that point. I was just going, look at me, got a name on my chair. This is awesome. You know, <laughs> it, they were fantastic. You know? Well, give, your, give yourself some credit because I, it sounds like none of this would have happened if it wasn't for your amazing imagination. Just a little bit, I like to say. <laughs> so... I know that you mentioned uh, early on in the interview that you originally kind of wrote this story with the intention of kind of having Will Smith be the main character. Did you have any other ideas for any of the other characters that came up as to who would play them? No, I mean, we we all had our opinions, um, but I was focused on the Ben Gates character, you know, Obviously, if it was Will, it would have been a different, I think the movie would have been, um, I, I don't even know, I don't even want to say better, or it just would have been different. You know, part of my drive of having Will at the time was, you, you know, this was a document that was setting the tone for equal rights and setting the tone for foundational principles of of trying to get equal rights to all men mm-hmm. right and the idea of will stealing that document and protect to protect it i think was something i was really keyed in on at the time as i was thinking about it and i think at the time when i was at dreamworks um I had met Morgan Freeman. I think he was on Deep Impact. He was, somehow I had met Morgan Freeman. He could have been doing a Penguin documentary or Deep Impact <laughs> or something. I have no idea. I have to check my fact. Fake news. I got to check the time. <laughs> but I had met him, and I the whole time I was thinking, oh, my God, he could play Will's father. 
this will be like this whole thing is going to be perfect, you know. Um, but I can't tell you. What, I mean, my God, I got you know, it's it's John Boyd and Nick Cage and Helen Mirren. I mean, it's like, how do you? I don't. It's 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 really just worked out great. Really it, worked. Out it did, and I'll also tell you, we recently recorded an episode. It's not out yet, but we recorded an episode about the casting of the film and how we felt like the actors and actresses that did end up in the roles really added to the characters and if we could even envision anyone else playing them we tried to force ourselves to come up with oh if we had to recast it who would it be and it was hard it was really hard no it's really hard i it's it's a weird game like we don't i can't think of it any other way now like i just go well how could you could never have it without those people you know um and, and, you know, that's the power of Jerry, too. You know, Jerry is able to pick up those phones and go, I think you're going to like this. Please try it. You know, mm-hmm. so um, it's fun. I mean, it's fun to think about for sure. Cool. So you, you've alluded to, I think, a couple of these, especially when picking your favorite clue and things like that. But I'm wondering sort of from from the perspective of the person who really launched this idea, you know, after seeing the film fully put together, were there any aspects that you just, you were like, wow, that came together perfectly or even better than I envisioned? Or conversely, any of them that you're like cringing or wishing had been left out? Like there was a, there were, there were two clues that, that drove me insane when I was reading about real history that I was like, how, I mean, how can you not put these in the movie? Like I was, I was, and, and by the way, no one will care. Right. But I, to this day go like, here's a great story. So when, when, um, world war two broke out, there was a real, real, real fear. Um, that the Nazis were going to invade the East Coast. Like there were U-boat sightings. And in Washington, they decided to take the freedom documents, the constitution, all of the important documents and hide them in the United States. And where they hid them, one of the places uh, purportedly was was um I'm, I'm trying to remember the estate in north carolina it's in Asheville. it's the vanderbilt estate i think it's the vanderbilt house and and my idea was you had a scene where you had the vanderbilt guy you know having a cocktail party you know and he goes let me show you something right and there's the declaration of independence and my idea was, as a good robber baron should be described, or in a good industrialist, he didn't return the real document after the war. He had a fake oh. made. And so that was kind of one of the ideas I wanted to play with, right? Mm. Yeah, you know, in the first one. And then in the second, there was a clue. Like, if you go to Mount Rushmore, in the back of, of Lincoln's head, there is a starting of the making of a vault because the idea was in case of nuclear war, that mountain would probably survive. And so we were going to put titanium plated um, engraved freedom documents into that vault. The United States had a plan for that. There's actually drawings of having a vault for those freedom documents. And I went, well, like, how do we not put 
That is, <laughs> you know, so, and, and everybody looked at me and went, yeah, no, we got some better ones too. So it, it was like, it, that is the great thing. So when you ask me about two clues that still to this day, I'm just like, I just tap my fingers on the desk going, oh, I will get those into something someday. Oh you my know, God. Those, those are two clues. Wow. That's amazing. You heard it here first, folks. There yeah. it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, um, that is amazing. Oh my gosh. So speaking of, you know, clues and stuff that were left out, is there anything else that was left out of the movie that you really wanted there to be? Because we heard that the original cut of the film was about four hours long, which uh -huh. means that it felt it felt like four hours. I didn't have a stopwatch <laughs> off and and run it, but yeah, no, there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff, um, and we we managed to get it trimmed down to a place I think that that obviously everybody enjoys. But I, I will tell you, I have a binder of uh, I should say Google Docs now, so I don't sound so old. I, I have a Google <laughs> Doc that has a list of uh, clues on them. And I'm actually writing a book now with a, with a friend where it's, it's called The Midas Touch. And many of these clues that were close and dear to my heart now, I am going to put into this, uh, this book. Um, and I'm really excited about it because it's sort of a, it's sort of a Rosetta Stone, Napoleon, Louisiana Purchase, um, Lewis to Clark kind of, of stories. So I'm very excited about that. And these clues are just sitting there and I'm dying to, to get into them. So we're, we're about, we think it'll be like, you know, 200 and some odd pages book, maybe 300. And we're about, we, we've outlined it. So now we're, we're actually starting the, what I think is the hard part for me, because I keep trying to write a movie, right. oh. write a book. So I'm struggling. It will be the worst book written. However, I think the clues are going to be awesome. Like oh I'm excited my. about the clues. You I will gonna... line up to get that book as soon as it comes out. I am, yeah. on, I am on it. Two free copies signed oh, right yes. here. Honored, honored. And we will oh, we'll put it when it's available It'll be on all of our social media Thank you. you guys, I'm going to tune in. She's going to be heating her home with it in that fireplace. She's going to be going, put that book in. Oh my gosh, never. Yeah. Oh, this is, this is just the coolest. Um, okay, so at this point, it seems like you've had so many ideas that have been incorporated, have not been incorporated, you know, at different stages of these films. So, you know, I've, I've got to ask about sure. National Treasure 3. Sure. So sure. we have been waiting for this since 2007 when the second movie came out. And I know a lot of the internet is also just dying for that this film correct. to come to fruition. I personally Google National Treasure 3 maybe once every few months to see if right. there are any, right. any speculation. And earlier this year, so earlier in 2020, there were some pretty what seemed like fairly solid reports coming out that not all hope is lost. It's actually happening. So what can you tell us? Is it happening? Are you involved? What is this, you know, at what stage? 
Yeah. Yes, sure. So National Treasure 3, this is, this is a loaded question. So I'm sure it is. <laughs> di, di, so Disney Plus, the streaming service, is going to do a TV show that is sort of not even an origin of the characters. It's just going to be called National Treasure, and they're going to kind of do these other characters, all brand new characters for the for younger audience for TV. However, Jerry is also working on a National Treasure 3 motion picture. So we're all kind of just sitting there waiting to see kind of will the marketplace, meaning Will Disney, who is, you know, they've got a plethora of intellectual property to play with. They bought Fox. Unfortunately, with COVID, it's turned everything upside down. In, in how movies are getting even thought about, made, released. We'll see where it goes. So I've kind of been a little mealy mouth about, you know, saying that it's exactly going to happen. But I do believe there is a National Treasure 3 motion picture in all of our futures, for sure. Oh, my That's gosh. Exciting. That is so good to hear. Yay, That's right? Yay. So good so, to hear. So yay. Yeah. And, and I know we know many people who will be very excited to hear that as well, besides, you know, good. the two of us. Um, I, I've got to say, so as someone, I recently moved to D.C., and so I've been trying to scout out locations of where I think clues should be hidden, obviously, you know, for National Treasure 3. And I have a recommendation if you're taking Please, recommendations. Shoot, take it. Let's go. <laughs> So, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with this obscure place in Rock Creek Park called the Capitol Stones. Yeah, I know them well. Do you? Yeah, it's all the stones that are the boundaries when they laid out the Capitol. I love that clue. I always thought that was a great clue. And you can do like a day hike, right? You can go to all the stones. I love that one. That's a great one. Thank That's you. There's also, there's also um, a... a this so then the other option um that i thought of is back in i think it was 1958 they were doing a renovation of the u.s capitol building and they had to sort of dismantle parts of the building and dispose of the rock to replace it and because it's you know like taxpayer owned they couldn't like throw it out right and so they put it all in this park in like northwest dc it's sort of just been abandoned there oh that's fantastic and you can go it's like not really well marked but you can find it if you're looking for it and it's all moss covered and vine covered and right so it made me think it made me think about how in the first film you know if when you had the the clue related to independence hall Ben knew immediately he had to go to Independence Hall, but Ian thought he had to go to the Liberty Bell. Right. So right. If, you, if you had something related to the Capitol building. That's you, a good idea. I like you know, that. You, I'm going to take full credit for that one. That's <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great clue. Like those, that's the fun of this movie. And that's a great one. Like the idea that they know the clues in the cornerstone of the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And they get to the Capitol and then they learn the story that it was actually... The old stones. And they go to this park and then it's a giant jigsaw puzzle because they don't know what corner, like it's not like shaped like a corner. So they have to figure out, you know, digging in the park at midnight. Yes. Imagine (laughs) Riley, you know, with his latte going, making Nick do all the digging, right? You have the, that I love stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a great clip. That's that's a good one. 
So cool. And Emily loves Riley. So I love I know. Riley. <laughs> yeah, I think great love- Listen, you know, we, we get we get a lot of people, you know, I've learned more about history now from fans who say, hey, did you know, did you know, did you know? You know, and I, I always I was always like impressed with, you know, the rare times that I actually got to be in the White House as an advanced person. You know, it's like once a month or so you you would land there and and you know it was always fun to watch you know when the president brought or a a staffer would bring someone down to the basement of the white house and show them the burned out timber that's in the laundry room when they actually burned this thing down in 1812 it just you look at this charred timber and you say to yourself you know as much as i love my british friends i may just protest for a week and not take a London vacation because they burn the White House down, right? So you you immediately are connected to those moments. And I, I always tell people, you, you know, if if you before you go visit an historical place, read the read the biography, read the book, because you can't believe what happened on the floorboard that you are standing on, you know. And it's quite humbling and also kind of in a weird way, unbelievably inspiring that that we learn that there all these great names were humans too. You know, they had the very same struggles that we have, um, and you know, different times certainly, but but always the same fears and always the same joys. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that's what makes our Republican democracy so great is we fight to protect that sort of pursuit of happiness, that freedom to at least try to go out and create and do the things that we want to do, you know, um, and that's such a rare thing for us to have in America. And, and, you know, the more you travel around and talk to people, they say, you are so lucky to have that because we, we don't have any of that where we are here. Mm-hmm. I have Honestly. to say I have chills right now just to throw that in there. That was <laughs> everything that you just said was absolutely beautiful. I just said it. I was just reading it off of something. Like <laughs> I thought, you know, I appreciate you saying that, but but it's the truth, right? You know, and and you know, people ask me because right now I run a small little arts network called Ovation TV, and and you know, the arts are incredibly important. The way you know, our foundation of our freedom documents are important, right? That, you know, the arts is a universal language around the world. It's our greatest export. Film and television is one of our greatest exports. And, you know, we are we are a big believer that the National Endowment of the Arts that has 150 million should be 2 billion. You know, it, it, it makes economic sense, um, you know, but it really makes sense that when a intellectual property and innovation and our poets, our our playwrights, our dancers, our musicians, all of the artists in the world, including those who make film and television, um, are the are the greatest sort of American billboard around the world. You know, even, you know, when people watch our stuff or listen to our stuff or, or watch Hamilton when they're sitting in London, and they're watching the irony, right? That they're they're watching and loving Hamilton. You know, when when China reads our books and sees our movies and television, you know, it's they can't believe we have such freedom to create, you know, and criticize our current government, right? And criticize, you know, and 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 show the warts of our 
our individual freedoms and how much we have to fight for them every day, right? And and I, I think when they see that and know that they don't disappear in prison, that they're not censored, that artists aren't this or that, it, it only makes that that messaging stronger and, and the more they desire change in their own country. Sorry, I went off on the arts thing, but 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 that's what movies can do. You know, that's what television can do. You know, mm -hmm. it's books and music and it's it's amazing. Right. But but, you know, China spends three billion dollars on the art. We spend one hundred and forty five million. Mm. And, you know, I, I'm we, we are all is, you know, whether you're making movies or television or you're a small community theater director and a nice arts in the heartland community theater the the fact is everybody understands why it makes good economic sense but until you're in it until you travel and see how people watch our intellectual property and celebrate it you 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 realize it's we we need to support it with all we got all we got you know yeah. Completely agree with you. <laughs> yes. So as we wind down with our last few questions, we do have a, sort of a fun speed round Let that we want to ask you. So these are a variety of just kind of fun questions that we had, right. as well as re questions related to what the Twitter National Treasure fandom community, <laughs> you know, thinks about the film. And so yeah. first thoughts, okay? If you could play the role of any character in National Treasure, who would you pick and why? Oh my God, I, I would love to play a Secret Service agent to the president. Like you just, you get the perfect suit and the earpiece and you get to stand there. You don't have to memorize any lines, but you get to walk around on the set with like the guy playing the president of the United States. I think that'd be awesome. You, know? you should do that in National Treasure 3. That's a good idea. I should demand it. I should demand that I get that role. You got For it. sure. <laughs> okay. Do you have a favorite quote or scene from the movie? I think in I think it is, you know, the here, I'll do a clue. Here's okay. here's my favorite quote. It's a line from the Declaration of Independence, and it I think it's 230 words in um, into the Declaration of Independence and Nick Cage says it and reads it, and I think it applies today like nobody's business. So count 200 and I think it's 230. Let's go with 230 words in. Is it is it the one where he's explaining that it means that the people who have the ability to take yes. action? Oh my gosh, that's my favorite quote from yes. the movie. <laughs> but, but, but when a long train of abuses, right, yes. how it starts, I that moment in that movie, I loved it. And you know. he, he, you know, when you talk about the actors, Nick Cage is the perfect level of gravitas and fun in, in you know, in it, that moment. It was perfect. Like, I mean, yeah, because he's so much fun and great and weird. And then all of a sudden he reads that, you go, oh, oh my God. Like, yes. <laughs> Get this man uh -huh. an award. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, my God, there was an Oscar, which we will not get for that movie. But that moment right there, <laughs> that's the clip. We're turning it. Turning in for your consideration. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, next one. I have a feeling I might know the answer to this based on our conversation, but what was your favorite filming destination? Uh, it, it, you know, uh, 
is really for me, it was in number two, it was Mount Rushmore, right? Mm -hmm. And in number one, um, it really was, you know, Independence Hall. Like that was just unbelievable. Very just fair. Absolutely. Okay. This is what the Twitterverse wants me to ask you. What is the appropriate number of lemons to keep in your refrigerator? Uh, for me, yeah. it's got to be seven. <laughs> I like a good martini. So, and I have some friends, believe it or not, despite my winning personality. So I have, <laughs> I need a lot of lemons because when I pull out a martini and throw, a, they're like, hey, I'd want one of those. So definitely seven. You've got to have seven lemons. Amazing. Okay. That, that, you know, that makes a lot of sense now that you say it. I'm sure you've seen people ask what is up with that bowl of lemons in Patrick's fridge. That is true. Go seven. <laughs> Go seven. All right. Okay. So this, this next speed round question is from me because I have particular feelings about this character. But what is one word you would use to describe Agent Sadusky? Oh, God. Dogged. Okay. Dogged. Mm. Fair. Fair. I, um, I... Agent Sadusky is not my favorite. <laughs> Why not? What what didn't you like about him? Oh, I can say this. Aubrey's least favorite part of what <laughs> she ever does is when they are talking about somebody needing to go to prison. Oh my god, I know that. Somebody line. has to go to prison, Ben. Yeah, nobody has somebody has to go to prison, Ben. Right? No, here's the thing on that line. Like, I watched that too, and I've learned to say it's charming now. Like I've learned to say, for some reason, I'm in like, I'm in, you know, Goodfellas somehow, all of a sudden with agents. He, he was awesome in the movie though. I, I actually think it was a good runner for us. Um, but, uh, but I get it. He, he's gotten mixed reviews on that line, but everyone talks about that line. Somebody's right. got a president. And then he has the other, he's got that other great snarky line where it's like, he's, I forget this. It's like, Something about, did you go see the FBI? And he goes, how did that work out? Or Yeah, uh, yeah I forget what that line was, but it, it was kind of like, it was funny, like, or, or how do you think about it now? Yeah. Now that I stole the document. You he, know? Was, he was all about those lines, or who was shooting at who, and why weren't they getting along? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's us. <laughs> oh, no, it's so funny. I, I see it. I see him as the person who, if you, like, had to step away from the movie for a sec and you, and you came back, he's almost like your narrator. Right. No, it's absolutely right. It's like, like, and then I have like weird favorite lines too. Like other favorite lines is like when John, John Voight says, you know, is she basically go, is she pregnant? And yeah. then he walks away and then she goes, do, do I look pregnant? Like, it was like, it's just so, that is so John Turtletown. Like just so to make this great charming says everything about the relationships, yeah. you know, it was really, I, oh God, I'm glad all that got kept. Oh. It's easy to cut that stuff out, right? You know, if you're not careful. Well, it was kept, and it's very, it's noticeable. You know, people yes. remember it. Uh, and now that we're on the quotes, Emily and I both really love um, in the gala at the archives when uh, lovely Ben Gates is doing a toast and says that they could have had their entrails cut out and burned. And <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like wow. Okay, okay. Take it deep easy. breaths. Yeah, deep breath. Everybody, take a deep breath. Right. Yeah. That yeah. that archive. I don't know if if you go downstairs, it's pretty cool. But the, you know the, the, that was one you reminded me. I know you're in a hurry, but there was one, one of the other scenes I really wanted was the actual. If there is like a bomb or nuclear war, mm -hmm. these lead 
lead sh shutters shut on the documents and they dropped down this tube into a vault. And I was like, how do we not like get Nick Cage to ride? Like somehow he rides it down trying to steal it. And, you know, it's always great when you're pitching something and people are doing this. They're going, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I was like, oh God, okay. I thought it was cool, right? Yeah. So, but, but what happens is that's what's great about making a movie. They figure out a better way, you know, and, and they did for sure. Like it was such a better little Ocean's 13 moment versus me just kind of manhandling the document out of the, the thing and running <laughs> his life, you know. Oh my God. So, so good. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite, so this is, you know, National Treasure 2 a little bit, but would a favorite conspiracy theory in Riley's book, which I would buy, by the way. Yeah, no, you got to love it. I mean, you know, listen, we all said page 47, right? And we don't even know what's on page 47 in the book of secrets. We're like, I don't know, just say page 47. It'll be a great <laughs> cliffhanger and we'll figure it out. So in Riley's book, like we used to like jokingly put stuff in his head, you know, about different conspiracies, right? But I would always tell him like real ones and then he would say, well, that sounds like really real. I go, it is, it is, <laughs> it absolutely is. Um, but that, that you know, I remember we had one, we were thinking about like a National Treasure 3. We were gonna do something like, it was so bad, the opening I had in my mind. And it's, by the way, they all said, oh, I would never do that. But I love the Riley character so much, right? And we had this idea that Riley got his own reality show, like on Discovery for treasure hunting. And I wanted to open up the movie where he's like, you know, it's the reality breathless reporting. You know, we're here, we're breaking through the, the wall. And when he breaks through, we realize he's at the Great Wall of China and he breaks into a gift shop. And it's like... <laughs> And it was like a live network thing. And so you cut to them like telling the Ferrari away. They cut to his show being canceled. They cut to all these things. That was sort of, we always wanted to turn that book into its own kind of Riley crazy reality show. Um, you reminded me that I forgot about that. That is but, so funny. Yeah, yeah we, had some, we had some really bad ideas, like really bad ideas and some good ones thank you I, i'm sure they, they wouldn't have been bad just different honestly and if you're ever looking to make more products to drum up excitement you you could name your book templar treasure there you go you always do yeah. that right you just listen why not we're gonna <laughs> name it midas touch i have, midas we have titled it midas okay. touch because that's sort of the 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 narrative it's not king midas like mm -hmm. that actual lore but it's sort of that it's all about gold this this book awesome. so be, uh, yeah we're excited. we're excited okay last speed round question i'm going to oh. basically ask you to pick between you know i'm going to ask you to do what you're not supposed to ask which is like pick your favorite child which film was your favorite national treasure uh, or book of secrets uh the irony is was book of secrets really yeah i just i i think it's just because i was so happy at that point like you know like, I just couldn't believe we were doing a second one. And I watched that movie and it, everything that clicked in one was protected and clicked in two, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I loved, and again, I've just, I had never been to Mount Rushmore. So to be able to just sit there and go, hey, that's Nick Cage. 
Joe, that's Ed Harris. Oh God, look, we're doing a little fun gunfight walking up to, it's like, this is crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's like, and then having national park people there to help you go say, hey, look at this. A lot of people don't get to see this, but you know, um, that is, it's so incredibly humbling. And, the, and what they do at the National Park Service, making history come alive, I mean, is, it's the greatest service in the world. I mean, it, it honestly is. One more question from me uh, before uh, we wrap this up, but you already mentioned the book Midas Touch that you yeah. are working on, but are there any other fun projects that you're working on that you can tell us about? Yeah, there's one I want to revive that I sold and it never got made. Um, and I am re kind of configuring it. Um, it is a Will Smith vehicle like nobody's business. In <laughs> but it's around the Anacathera clock mechanism. And the idea is that Morgan Freeman, being Will's father, um, there's a rumor. I mean, this is true. The Anacathera clock mechanism was found in 1902 by a Greek sponge. The guy was like drunk and fell off a sponge boat. And they discovered this giant treasure. And but one little piece of this treasure were these like this just box that looked like it had wheels in it, but it was all rotted from seawater and crusted. Well, they did CT scans of it in the 70s, and it turned out to be an amazing clock mechanism. And so I thought, what if that's a time travel device? And the opening of the movie would be would be Morgan Freeman remaking the clock. And he realizes the guys funding his program to remake the clock know it's a time travel device. And they have given money to a hundred different people to try to remake it. And he realizes they're going to use it for evil by page 10. So he takes the device into the one place they can't go, which is back in time. And then he breaks the clock up into pieces and puts them in places that he now knows last the ages, right? So he and he starts writing notes to Will Smith in the future to come rescue me. So Will has to go to all these places and put the clock together to get his dad out of time. And I want Will to be with his son, right? Uh -huh. So that there's this generational thing where his son and Will have to work together to get their fa or Will's father out of time and for the bad guys. And I kind of want it all based in this lore of the Anacathera clock mechanism. So I'm thinking that one might be oh. an interesting movie. We'll call it Stealing Time or something like that. That but sounds amazing. Love yeah. it. <laughs> I'm excited about that one. And it all it's you need a good title. You know, National Treasure, Orin of Eden. That was all Orin literally went, well, we're calling it National Treasure. I went, uh, okay, that sounds actually really good. You know. Yeah. Um, so you always need a good title. I'm I'm speechless. I'm so excited for this. I know it's probably yeah. in early stages, but very early stages. But we're we're I'm working on that project like big in my head. Awesome, so cool. Stealing time. We'll all be on the lookout for go, go, any hints about it. Go, go, go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, last but not least, yes. in the interest of time, because again, we could keep you on here for hours. You no, know, so... I. You know me. I'm. You know, I'm sheltered in place. 
it's COVID. I'm sheltered <laughs> in place. What am I going to do? Happy to talk to people. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I wonder if there are any messages you'd like to give to any of the National Treasure fans listening into this podcast. Listen, honestly, just thank you for loving the movie. Thank you for keeping it alive. By the way, it's a generational thing now. You know, I just, you know, this was out in 2004, but, you know, television has kept it alive. Streaming services have kept it alive. And I'm just really glad that people sort of still to this day resonate to that kind of movie because there's so many other movies that are just, you know, giant $300 million explosion things. And to have a movie that's not that, that's still, you know, it, it gives me hope that, that, you know, we'll have luck with those kind of movies going forward. So thank all of you. And, you know, if, if the best thing you can do is encourage people to just explore history more and go to those things. And when you see that little box that says $1 donation, try to scrounge up the one buck and 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 put it in that bucket because that's what the national park service uses to keep you know that kind of history alive and so if you could do that that would be awesome but thank you you know thank you for you guys for even still talking about the movie <laughs> and i if i come back i'll let i'll, I'll i certainly want to get oren here because oren yeah. you know just an amazing genius with this stuff too and maybe i can talk john turtletown into a little visit too that would be fun Oh you know, my gosh, we would be, be so great. into that. Publicly shame him. We'll just publicly <laughs> shame him until he comes. There we go. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you know, you said the TV's kept it alive and, and people watching have kept it alive. But to be honest, it's just, it's an entertaining, well-made movie that it's still relevant. You know, you mentioned a great quote that that's still relevant. The history is always going to be relevant. And as long as you have engaging and fun actors with an engaging and fun storyline, you really can't go wrong. So really, we should be thanking you for oh, coming yes. up with I, all the of it, the whole thousands of people. on Absolutely. This but I appreciate you saying so. So I'll, I'll take that. Thank you for all of them, too. Absolutely. We great. We great. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming and joining us yes. on the show today. We would love to have you back and any of your colleagues. So uh, we'll, we'll help you reach out. Not a problem. Amazing. Amazing. All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye. So Thank nice you so much. <laughs> so there you have it. Our interview with Charles Seegers. Thank you so much again to Mr. Seegers for joining us because if it wasn't evident, we had a really good time with that. Oh, yeah. We could have kept talking to him for hours. It was truly an absolute blast. For sure. And honestly, he was just so kind. I'm sure he would have let us continue with our questions. So. Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So I, I can't even begin to break down everything we learned from that conversation, but there were definitely some highlight moments that I really enjoyed learning about Em. I don't know about you, like that alternate opening to the movie. I can't even imagine the movie starting not with the Charlotte. We've spent so much time thinking about and talking about and analyzing that opening that the thought that it could have opened, you know, in the in the ocean, basically, in front of Manhattan. 
it's it's a different story let me tell you so different there's no arctic tundra for you to make for you to comment on you know no what would i do without the arctic tundra that is perhaps <laughs> the greatest bit of the entire national treasure franchise the beginning and you wouldn't have you know ben stabbing himself in the thumb in the bowels of the ship so many good things go down in the Arctic tundra. I, I don't know how. I mean, he could have stabbed himself underwater, but I feel like that would have been, that would have played out a little differently. <laughs> Probably very ineffective. <laughs> I think my favorite part was hearing, personally, was hearing what his favorite quote from the film was, and that it was, in fact, the quote that Ben reads from the Declaration of Independence. I don't know if you guys caught it but the way that uh mr seegers talked about the declaration of independence and really just all of the historical artifacts and places it, he basically sounded like he was ben gates and yeah. I, that experience for me was just thrilling because i the way he was talking about all of that kind of stuff really just uh made me very very happy and speaking of ben gates could you imagine Will Smith playing that role? No. It would have been so different. Like, we spent so much time talking about the tone of the film in episode four of our show about, you know, comparing to the Da Vinci Code mm. and comparing to Tom Hanks. And we, I think, just the concept of almost anyone else playing the role of Ben Gates would have changed the tone of the movie so much. And Will Smith is not an exception, I, I don't think. No, and I think, you know, Mr. Sears even mentioned that he, you know, thought that that would have given the movie a different, a slightly more kind of comedic tone, even more comedic than it already was, which I think would have been just fascinating. And, and you heard it here first, folks. If there's the incorporation of the Capitol Stones into National Treasure 3... I just want to say that I might have planted that seed, and I'm very proud of that. I've, I've just got to say, to be able to pitch an idea to a film writer himself was really a great joy for me. And, you know, he was such a great sport in uh, thinking it through with me. But that was just, I think, altogether so much fun. We would mm -hmm. truly love to have him on the show again in the future, especially, you know, talking more specifically about National Treasure 2, learning that it's his favorite of the two films. Yeah. Who, who would have thought? People usually like their, their originals, but I can totally understand his rationale for feeling that way. So, you know, we, we really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Please don't forget to let us know your thoughts on social media. Yes, please, guys. Hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at NT Hunt Podcast. You guys go ahead and subscribe, download the podcast through iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and you know, rate and review us on iTunes. Let us know how we're doing. That helps us out a lot. And like I said, you know, at the top of the episode, you, you know, your guys' input is, you know, really helping, really helping out, really helping us to gain some notoriety within, you know, the field of podcasting. And I think that... And specifically National Treasure Podcasting. <laughs> with National Treasure Podcasting. And I think that with your continued support, you know, the chances of us potentially being able to do something like this again um, is pretty high. So. Absolutely. And that about wraps it up for us today. 
We hope you enjoyed this conversation and we want to extend one last thank you to Mr. Seegers for joining us and being such a great sport and being so supportive of this fun project we have going on here. So don't forget to tune in for our next episode coming your way next Wednesday. And I'm Aubrey. And I'm Emily. And thank you for joining us on our national treasure hunt. Mm-hmm.